Is 2023 the year that you finally get a virtual assistant or perhaps you've already got one and you're not sure that you're using them to their best ability? Well, this is a podcast for you then. My name is Rachel Claver and I'm your host of Mippet Marketing. I've got my own group of virtual assistants and also some in-house marketing support. And boy, did I mess this up when I first started to outsource my marketing to other people. I really did not know what I was doing and I made so many mistakes, which is great for you because in this episode, I'm going to go with you, through with you what mistakes I made, what I do now and how our VAs and our marketing support now feel supported, get clear on their directions and I get the results I want. This is Mappet Marketing and I'm really looking forward to teaching you with this. If you have questions, by the way, about today, please come along and be part of our Facebook group, Mappet Marketing. Uh, you'll be able to find it, just do a search or it's in the show notes and ask questions in there because I'd love to help. Right, let's get started. Welcome, this is Mappet Marketing and I am your host, Rachel Claver. I love helping small business owners become more confident and more capable with their marketing. So this podcast is all here to help you do just that. It's me and the help of some great guests helping you learn new skills, new strategies and ideas. Let's jump in and get started. Hello, my name is Rachel Plather and welcome to this episode of Mappet Marketing. Today we're going to talk about outsourcing and in particular outsourcing to a virtual assistant. Now this would also work if you're looking to outsource to a marketing assistant or someone else in your team. And I do say this is an area that people get wrong over and over again about how to do this right. Uh, most of the time it's because we wait till we're absolutely desperate often to get a virtual assistant and we don't allow ourselves to one, make sure we document everything and two, to hand over to make sure they know what they're doing. And then we get grumpy that they don't do their work right. Look, I was that person. I've been that person. Uh, the first time that we got a virtual assistant, um, I, I got her, I employed her. And then really, I just kind of gave her my just jangled, mucked up, can you just do this stuff, kind of wanting her to offload without properly briefing, without sharing how we do things, checking the standard, all those different things that take time. And there is a time cost when you're creating information ready for a virtual assistant or anyone in your team to do work to outsource. And so this is all about what we do. I now have a, um, all of the people in our business now are all remote. Uh, because uh, one of the people that was working in our office has just relocated to another city. And so we are now all officially remote, except for me and Rod working in the office. We do have someone who comes in a little bit into our identify offices, but most of the time it's just us and everyone else in our team isn't here. So the structure and the processes that we use with our team are exactly the same as with a virtual assistant. Uh, also, full disclosure, uh, we have our team, uh, which I would say would be the same as having a Kiwi or Australian virtual assistant, depending on where you are, like a domestic virtual assistant. And then we also have uh, Filipino uh, virtual assistants as well. And that's because uh, we're looking at making sure that we use our skilled uh, workers as effectively as we can. Our virtual assistants in the Philippines are really good at working with some of the administrative work that they can get paid a higher above average for them pay rate, but it saves us money to spend on more on things like marketing generation and content creation with some of our other team members. And it gives us an opportunity because it frees up budget. So I'm a big believer in juggling the both. Like when I'm working on a strategy with a client, I'll often recommend that you 
budget for both, that you have both a, if you're New Zealand, a Kiwi VA and also a Filipino VA. And it makes sense because then you are getting more bang for your buck, essentially, and you're not ripping anyone off and you are doing better for your business as well. So before you start outsourcing, um, you know, I think one of the things that I'll often say is that if you're doing a task over and over again, it is something that you can systemize. It is something that you can pass on. And the more you pass on those little tasks that are just the things you do all the time, the more you are free to work strategically on your business, the more you're free to work with clients. And so then your business will grow. And it's such a thing that we can get so scared about it. Um, and so I'm really keen to talk about the importance of it. I think that you do need to be able to afford it. Uh, what I normally recommend is that you start just putting away some money um, every week until you've got enough to pay your VA for three months. That gives you three months to kind of get someone, select them, test them, train them, check everything, and then have them up and running. And by the time that three months is over, they're going to help give you so much more time and energy that you will be just like, I don't even know how I didn't survive without them. So I'm always a big believer in doing that. Uh, when we're looking out for a VA, we do we treat them as importantly as I would an employee. Um, so I do interview them, um, even our Filipino ones, you know, offshore. I've had I have Zoom meetings with them. I check they can understand how I'm communicating with them. They get my wavelength. I talk about our values. I check in with their values, and I treat them like a staff member. And I think that you, even though they're not legally a staff member, they're still a contractor. So there's I don't mean treat them like a staff member as in, in terms of like all the benefits, but more treat them like a staff member, like respect them to the same level as a staff member. And I think that that's really important. Um, and I think that you should have potentially more than one. Um, we definitely have different VAs for different and different marketing assistants for different areas, even in our, in our team. You know, we've got people in our team that are much better with Canva than other ones that are really good at SEO and ones that are good at, at different areas. A VA is unlikely to be good at everything. If they say they are, they probably shouldn't be a VA um, because, you know, I'm not good at everything. I mean, you could pay me to do some things, but I would tell you, here's something that you should pay me to do. And here's something that is a waste of money to pay me to do. Go and get someone who's better qualified. And and so with a VA, being aware that you should probably have more than one for different areas in your business is really important. So there's administrators, creators, content creators, writers, they're all different. Um, and I know that some virtual assistants might go, hey, I can do all those things. I would say that you need to serve your um, the people you're contracting to to be really fair and clear about what you're really good at. And trust them to choose other people to do those things. It's the benefit of a VA is to have a range of people doing things that really fit you as opposed to employing one person in your organization, uh, which is what we have to often do as a small business owner and then make them do everything. I certainly had to do that in the early days and it's not great for your business. Whereas with a VA, you can get specialities in different areas, which is great. So, you know, when I first did it, I definitely didn't brief people right. I didn't have great systems. Um, and I also feel like I overextended with my um, the people overseas and expected them to do things that were beyond their language capabilities. So now when I um, do any work, um, the basically the way that we work is that I really think about the things that I am doing already that take up time. So for example, I've just outsourced a whole lot of my podcast admin. So 
to do that, I had to first think, what am I actually doing every week? Like, what is the stuff I'm actually doing? And I started documenting it. And then I went, what stuff in here do I not want someone else to be in control of? So obviously recording the podcasts. I mean, guys, I couldn't just get a VA to do this, right? So this is partly my job. I'm writing the show notes. That is something I like to do myself. And I and I could get someone else to do it, but I want to have it in my voice because my voice is an important part of why I do everything. I also wanted to be able to write my social media post to promote it. That was also really important to me. And so that was another thing that I was focusing on scheduling, um, which reminds me that I have to make a note to add that to my podcast list, write social media post. So this is my system because I've been doing this recently um, and schedule. Cool. Forgot that I had to do that. Um, so, so there's all this stuff that I've been doing um, that create the structure. And I then wrote down, I, so I wrote it all down. And then what I did the next week is I started to record myself doing those things. So for example, one of them was designing a Canva post that goes with my podcast promo. So I did one and talked through what I was doing, saved it. And I put it in the file for the podcast promo brief. So I said, here are all the tasks that need to be done by this particular person. And I went podcast brief. This is what it looks. This is what needs to be done. Check the list, and here's the video of how to do it. Then you also need to do this bit, and here's the video of how to do it. And I basically went through and did it. And then what I've done is I've created a document for that. We have a uh, a portal called Connect, which is a bit like Asana or Trello. So I've set up a board in there that has those as repeated weekly tasks with the checklist in it. It links back to the how to in there and the docs that they need. And then I have a list, which I've just realized I needed to add to there, of my weekly tasks, which is also repeated tasks. And in there are all the tasks I need to be able to achieve. So what has happened with that means that I then have a visibility over what's happening. I know that however it's going to be done is going to be done the way I would like it to be done. It means that I have a structure in place to have accountability around like checking things off so that I can tell that it's been done and I don't have to stress about it. If I wake up at three o'clock in the morning, go, oh my gosh, is that going to happen? I know that it's it can be, I can check it. I can check as it being ticked off. Um, and all of those things help make it happen. Plus, if that person leaves, I can then immediately give that to somebody else and they can follow the same directions. So for me, that whole thing of planning thinking about what is it that you need to do, documenting what it is you do, passing it on to the person, asking them to go through it and understand it, doing it first and then checking it with you to check it's right. Then they're away and they don't need to come back to you again with that task. And so for me, it's those repetitive tasks that you're doing over and over again that are ideal to use a virtual assistant for. I also often say, you know, for me, creating content is, is really important to me, but the scheduling is not. So again, I have that process. Um, the other thing I do is if I am working with someone whose English is not their first language or people that don't, who struggle with content, I'll often write like emails or structure for those sort of things. So one of my VAs books my people for my podcast, I wrote the emails for her for that. So she doesn't have to worry about that. Um, if she's got to make a change, she might send me an email and say, is this okay? And I go, absolutely, that's fine. Uh, but most of the time, she's just using my templated emails to get me, get people booking in and sorting it out. And I don't have to do that backwards and forwards. And it saves me hours to have that happen. People often ask, how do you get so much stuff done? I'm using VAs. I'm using 
contractors, I'm using people in our team to do the administrative stuff that makes the marketing the hard bit. Um, and so that's important. So really thinking about your needs is important and making a list of those specific duties is really important. And I don't just give it all at once. I definitely do it in dribs and drabs. And that's also really, really key with this. I don't sit there and um, give them like 25 tasks. I normally give a task, check that they've got it, understand away. Cool. Here's another task, understand in a way. And that way I'm not getting them overloaded. They've got those to-do formats. They'll have a folder with here's all your tasks every week and here's how they how they work. And that with the board keeps them really focused and directed. And the other thing that you need to think about is really about that budget. You know, a, a New Zealand VA can be somewhere around $70 an hour. So for some of you, um, you're going to have to be quite close around how much you're going to spend on that VA every week. And so that's why I often suggest having a mix of an offshore VA that you can pay so, sort of 10 to 15 US an hour for, um, and then also to have the onshore ones. But I really, I really do recommend without trying to sound, um, oh, I don't know, um, I don't know if the right word is, but basically sound, um, Rachel's not normally lost for words. Rachel does that when she's terrible. It's about sitting in the third person when she starts feeling awkward. Um, if you're worried about um, language fluency, then I do recommend using a New Zealand um, VA just for like language, small incidental language things if they're creating content. Um, it's really, really hard for a non-English speaker to pick up idiosyncrasies like things like tense and um, how to use adverbs appropriately and all those little things. And they'll often not pick that stuff up. And that's that's just purely because it's really English is a really sucky language. Um, and so what I want you to do is really, if you're going to have content creation, you do need to make sure you've got a native um, English speaker to do those things, because otherwise you'll have to check it. And the whole point of a virtual assistant is that you don't have to check their work, that it can be done ind independently. So having a really think about that, having a think about the experience and the skills is important. And then just keeping that communication open is also really important. So if you uh, don't need them for something anymore let them know if something's changed give them an update one of the things I really enjoy about one of my VAs Judy is that she creates a spreadsheet of, if I ever ask her to do an admin task and then I'm like oh I think I've got such and such go, oh, let me share my spreadsheet with you and I can see all her work which is amazing but also I can immediately see the hole that I needed to get done and it's easy to fix it so keeping that those records is really important having really clear deadlines is essential um, so what I've done is find out when they want the work to be sent to them and then what the deadlines are. And then I even have checks and balances a few times. Like if there's a, a VA that tends to run late, um, I have one that does. Um, then I have another person whose job is to check the work's been done on a particular time so I don't have to do it. And they will follow up with that person if it hasn't been done, um, CCing me in so I don't have to be stressing about it. I also um, really make sure that I know for them, this is the day that the task is um, being sent to you, but this is the day that it's due in. And so that means I have to be more organized too. So I've gone from doing a couple of podcasts at a time to creating my podcast four at a time. The reason I do that is it means it's easier for my podcast engineer to then do them. Hello, Vera. Um, and it also means that um, I can then schedule in at the same time sending the email, the weekly emails for the show notes, sending the weekly emails for the social posts, making sure that all the content is sorted and ready to go 
and then I don't have to worry about it for another month. And that's been a really helpful thing for me. What I've learned from having a VA is that it's made my marketing a lot more streamlined. It's made me a lot more organized and given me more time to work in my business and on my business without stressing about it. I think that's one of the best parts of having a VA is that you can't be a disorganized person if you want to have an effective VA. And I work very well to deadlines myself and I don't like disappointing people. So I know that I've got to be organized for my VA to be organized. And if they're not able to do something, it's often because I haven't handed something in with enough time. And that's my fault. I have to wear that. It's not their fault. Um, so that's really key. Um, another thing that you have to be really clear on is making sure what your confidentiality rules and security rules are. So we've got um, two-factor on our email, which means that actually one of my VAs no longer does some of the work she did before. I don't, I feel like that kind of defeats the purpose of two-factor. So we've adjusted things a little bit. And so do make sure that people are aware of what they are and not allowed to have. We did have a few years ago, um, we had given someone access to our website and then they got hacked, which meant that they it opened up in our website and we had to fix it. So being a really good, clear idea of what they have access to and what they don't have access to is really important. So for example, if they've got access to your drive, you have to lock down what they do have and what they don't have, because obviously having all access is not ideal. Um, so that's key. Um, the other thing that's really useful is I do use Loom a lot and um, my VAs will often use Loom or screenshots because sometimes I will ask for something that I can see can be done, but when they go to try and do it, they have a different screen or a different experience because my instructions are wrong. So we use Loom quite a lot to kind of test that out, which is really useful. So I can see what they're saying, oh, okay, this is where it needs to be or, or something like that. Um, it is really important to use tools that can be used. So, you know, we do use um, time tracking software so they can keep an eye on their time and hours. We do use Connect, which you could use Asana or Trello or something like that to put the tasks in there for them to be able to focus and do. And then obviously those communication tools. So we use chat a little bit, uh, obviously email and then Loom that can help with that. Um, in terms of that progress thing, we have a feedback loop so that they can check their work or just say that it's done so that I know that it's done, um, especially with weekly work. I just forget that that's, I just let it tick along. I don't want to have to be thinking about it all the time. So the fact that they send me a thing that says done and this is what I've done, just send it, just gives me a visual reminder that it's done. It's not, I'm not, I'm not trying to overdo what they do or overshadow, but just helps me stay on track with what they're doing. Um, so that's really important. Those things have really helped reduce using Loom and using um, open communication and, and using things like Connect or for you, it would be Trello. Um, Connect is with Zoho and we use Zoho as a Zoho partner. So obviously that's our bias, but you know, if you're using Asana or something like that, um, they've really helped reduce any issues. And we do have a weekly meeting with our admin team, not our VAs, but our admin team that goes through and just checks that board as well and just sees how everything is going. I think the fact that it has helped me with my own organization has been really, really helpful. Now, one of the things I'd say is that it is definitely the best way to outsource the things you don't like doing, but sometimes it's also about doing the things that you do like doing, but just take a lot of time. Um, and this is something that I've really learned that we often talk about how outsourcing should be about things you don't like doing or what you don't do, not good at. But sometimes the best thing you can do for your business is actually outsource the things that you are good at that you can get really absorbed in, but aren't actually the things that re generate revenue. 
if I've if I'm spending heaps of time creating a Canva doc and I love it and I'm quick on Canva and I love it it's not actually a good use of my time if I'm going to grow my business the way I want to so I do do it sometimes just to have fun but I try really hard to give those tasks to other people because it's not the best use of my time and I think that's one of the important things with outsourcing that we do get wrong I do think that it's a really good idea for you before you start to outsource is to really look at what you're spending your time on and be really honest with yourself about how you're spending your time and are you using it well? Um, and is it something you can outsource? Start asking yourself, is this something I can outsource? The podcast, I literally did everything uh, for over a year. I'm now at almost episode 100 and I've literally only just started outsourcing all the other bits and pieces for it like three or four episodes ago and it's really hard for me to do that and it was a passion project but it did take me a while to work out what my system was myself and I think that that's part of it is that it's easier to outsource once you've got a really clear system of how things work and it's much harder to do that if there isn't that 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 system in there so I think that's a really important thing that 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 works through um, I do think that that whole thing of just handing over one thing at a time really helps when you're working with a, a virtual assistant and just remember to value them as a person in your team. Um, so yes, yeah, so I really hope that you give it a go. I'd love to hear if you're considering using virtual assistants. I have a list somewhere in a previous podcast of all the things that you can use a virtual assistant for. And there's lots of those on the internet. You can use them for pretty much everything. Um, but my key thing would be if they're not a native speaker, don't get them to write content. Um, make sure that you have a look at their content if they say they know how to do content. Ask some questions like, you know, if I was going to do, if I was going to do this design, how long would it take you? Sometimes I'm outraged at how long time people will take on something that would take me less time. I don't want to be paying for hours of work on something. Every now and again, you'll give someone something that you think was going to be a good fit for them and it just is a bomb. And that's okay. Just move on. Don't give that to them. Find someone else to do that thing and and then just find use their strengths. And I think that's one of the key things with virtual assistants is to use people to their strengths. You don't have to use them for everything. You can find another virtual assistant that does those things and just keep on building on the strengths of the person you've got instead of trying to make them fit in a square, square hole, no, round hole if they're a square peg. Um, I always get my metaphors messed up. But yeah, I hope that you uh, you consider it. Make sure you've got that structure. So think carefully about what you need to do first. Walk through and explain what you're doing. Recording it on loom.com, little videos, and adding it with like a how-to list. Give them that. Get them to walk through it. Get them to complete the task and then test it. See if it works. And then they're away. It's that easy. Uh, and you will love it. You will love it. So put some money aside put it in your budget, plan to use a virtual assistant and let's see what happens to your marketing this year. I recorded this episode because I know it's information that I wish I had known when I started to work with a VA. I think the key things are to make sure that you are really ready in terms of your own systems and your plans, that you put aside time to brief people properly, that you think about the processes that you need to do. It's painful to do that when you're feeling overloaded. So don't do it all at once. Just bite off a little bit at a time. Every time you outsource a task, you're going to feel better. So give it a go. And if you've got any questions, come along to our Facebook group, Map It Marketing. Next week, we have a podcast with an amazing guest. She's the director of Creative Jam. She is an amazing, amazing product designer of 
not the product, but of the packaging. And she's going to share with us all the tips of what she knows. Well, actually, just some of the tips because she's so knowledgeable of what she knows to help get your products into supermarkets. Even if you're not a product-based business, well worth a listen just from the knowledge and depth that she has around product packaging and how to get your product to a scalable level. Look forward to talking to you then. If you love what you heard today, be sure to hit subscribe. And if you love this episode in particular, I'd love it if you shared it on social media. Remember to tag me in so I can say thank you. Have a great week and we'll talk soon.